What do we want to talk about for the intro? Do we already do that? Like, you know, like before, you know, you know how I always put something at the beginning before the intro sequence rolls? Like, mm-hmm. what do we talk about this time? Uh, uh, I got the sick new purple cup. Sabina bought it for me. Sabina's wow. obsessed with oh, these Starbucks cups. All right, let's get into it. And she's sick of me stealing them. <laughs> Welcome to Mockstar's number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and competitive EDH and every format of Magic the Gathering and everything. and Competitive, uh, casual. Competitive, casual, whatever you want. It's a good podcast for every subject, uh, 99% of the time about magic. Check out our link tree down below. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all the things that we got to say in the intro. I think we got a juicy one and we just have to get into it today. Because the boys, who are the boys? Oh, Jordan, Evan, guys. Oh, Yo. what's up? Yo, what up, dog? Sorry. <laughs> I, I feel. Who are you? Who am I? I, your intrepid host, am uh, Chris Ritter. How's it going? What's up, dog? Oh, uh, what up, dude? And uh, the boys, once again, the boys, Jordan. Hello. Evan. Yeah. They PR'd at a CDH tournament this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And that is the juicy, juicy item that I was just ripping through to get to. I loved it. I loved it. It was a great intro, and I'm ready to start talking about Cause it. Because I, I only have the barest of details. <clears throat> yeah, I tried to keep it from you know? I tried to keep it from him. We waited for Evan to get home so we could uh keep it spicy. Really just unfurl the experience. Yeah, I think you know that's kind of be we're gonna be digesting it while we go through this podcast for ourselves a little bit too, mm-hmm. right? And we have some talking points. Uh, you know, Evan and I have talked a little bit, but I'm sure there's more a few days out now that we have uh more opinions on and stuff like that. So we're yeah. going to go through each game, each game, every single play, every single detail. I played a land on turn three. I pass the turn. That's how we're oh, going to go through like it. We're stack getting granular. Yeah. 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 Yes. We're getting very granular. With well, it. after that <laughs> Not tantalizing Not tidbit that we're going to be talking about some domination in the tournament scene from you, you fellas, I think we have a pregame action that we want to discuss first. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up, and this is not financial advice, but this does relate to the financial side of the game. It's serialized cards and their value uh, over time, right? Because right now we see serialized cards as these collector pieces. Really hard to find. And when you pull one, your heart like just drops. Your stomach, just like everything, you hit the floor. Your knees get like weak. You start shaking a little bit. Yeah, I saw that uh, one of shouldered, not one of shouldered, but the, the number one, the number one shoulder got pulled on Reddit, mm-hmm. and I was like, even I was just like, holy fuck! Like I had goosebumps. Like like I, someone got I'm, this so early. It feels good, but it is a naked cash grab. It's like after for sure after like murdering out every type of variant that you can with the cards and shoving those in every type of pack that you can. Actually, sequential numbering is the new type of chase variant that's still hundred like, percent you know limited and i will say that like there are some cards like that do have the serialized number like the shieldred which will maintain its value the number one of 500 that's going to maintain its value forever and will be a collector's piece and i hope that that person actually sent it in to get it graded because the return on that is actually going to be huge if it's above an 8.5 yeah so like 169 100 200 (laughs) 300 400 420 420, 500 are all going to be valuable no matter what Mm -hmm. right there yeah there are certain numbers that are just going to be more valuable than Mm -hmm. the rest Mm -hmm. and uh the the reason that i bring up this topic and the reason i want to talk about it is because there are a lot of cards that are not shielded there are a lot of cards that are not elish and there are a lot of cards that are not 
like uh cards that carry weight in the game right that are or carry much weight as collector's items because while we were at the tournament at gabby's olympic cards and comics i ran into somebody and i looked through their trade binder and they were very excited to show me their serialized version of Hirobi, death's whale oh boy and i feel like i've been pulling those mandatory in every pack yeah yeah you know it's like you know and then uh they were asking they asked the table that they, they said what do you guys think I should do with it? I just got it last week and I am I'm curious like would you guys sell it or would you hold on to it? And everybody else at the table and this is when I got a crowd to sort of form around me <laughs> for a second, they all said you should hold on to it because it's only going to go up in value because it's a collector's piece. It was like number 167. And unfortunately that just isn't a very attractive number and I just said I think you should sell it 100%. How much do they want for it right now? And he said, they're buying it for $125. Holy fuck. Get rid of it. I'd yeah, take 125 on a bulk rare. Yes, sure. exactly. Yeah. That's what I said. Like, I was like, it is 100% like, where are you seeing Hirobi being played? I was like, thinking like $20, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In what format could it possibly be played in? You know, and where are you going to, are you going to make a deck around it? Are you going to like plug it in because you pulled it? You know, or like, where does its value like actually stand and where does it come from? It hasn't. Carries no weight in the game right now. And so yeah, it, it's just because it's novel. It's the new, you know, it's the new surge foil. It's the new whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you know, Wizards is gonna print shit like this into the ground, and eventually the well's gonna run dry on it. That is exactly the point that I'm reaching too, because it's like I. That's what I explained to them. I said every set from here on out is going to have serialized versions of some cards. Right. And right now it's hot because it's new. And like you have a Hirobi's Death Whale that's $125 that you should absolutely sell the instant you found out it was $125. Yep. It will never hold that value over time. And like you just have to look at the future of the game. They're going to keep doing this, keep doing this, keep doing this until we're numb to it. And I think that's a lot of how like our society is formed now is we're very, uh, we're attached to things for as little time as possible before we move on to the next trend so this is just the current trend now if you pulled the one ring yeah i would say sell it like almost immediately that's going to change your life it's a lottery ticket it's it's the literally the golden ticket so uh we're that's that's kind of like the discussion i want to i want to provoke is with serialized cards where does their value lie and what is the longevity of their value unless they have an attractive number like let's say number 4 of 500 for that shieldred where does that where does that fall like does that i i think there's only going to be value in cards that are inherently valuable and then the additional rarity that the number puts on it if it's a good number even right. is the only th- those are the only cards that are going to you know rise in value or even retain value cuz like i said before the novelty is going to wear the novelty is going to wear off it's not an especially cool uh effect i feel like yeah if someone pulls the number 69 yargle you know like if there's ever printing of a yargle <laughs> oh, that, that's number 69 that's a meme card if ever there was yeah right? yeah 100 yeah. but that card's gonna be 300 because yeah. of the meme the, the memeness yeah there's just like so many of these that are going to be great because like what we're, we have the commander masters i keep on saying commander legends commander masters comes out we're gonna have jeweled lotus serialized all that bullshit you know um 
those cards are always going to be ridiculously expensive and sought mm-hmm. after. But like you're saying, like these cards that just nobody cares about in any format, like you're not even playing them in casual commander. If you can get $150 off them, good for you. Go do that. Like, but you're totally right. Like these, like for example, the Brothers War thing, right? That was one of the first times we started seeing these serialized stuff, especially in these artifacts. Yeah. Mox Amber, I got uh, one of those. It's going to be sick, not the serialized ones. Can you imagine pulling one of those? That will always be great. Oh, yeah, I always want that. If but you it pulled needs an, to be an inherently good card. Right. If you pulled an Ivory Tower serialized, woo! Go take advantage of the fact that nobody, including anybody on the sellers on the market, know what the fuck to spend money on for serialized cards right now. Go get the, rid of that right now before they are lose interest and yes. start looking at jeweled lotuses. Mm. Sell it for fifty dollars. Yeah. Like just lowball the high like lowball the price. Like put it one dollar under what the lowest price is and just get rid of it because it's not maintaining its value. So like I guess it's not I'm not trying to say that this is financial advice, but if you are holding one of those cards that has carries no particular weight in the game, is not played in any format, just sell the hell out of it while everyone is confused on what the market before the market establishes itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Capitalize on the excitement of the new thing and don't let yourself, you know, fall by the wayside and like lose sight of the fact that what you're holding on to is kind of garbage. Don't be the guy who tells the story that you had a hundred and twenty five dollar Hirobi and then you're still sitting on it and it's Fifteen dollars. Yeah, it's in the binder for five bucks or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's pretty much all I got on yeah. that. Yeah, I think no, that was good. All right, cool. Tournament recap. Let's Jordan's talk about got a tournament. Yeah, it was it was great. It was exciting. Jordan's got a bunch of bullet points he wants to cover. Yeah, what up, y'all? So we had an awesome tournament this uh, Saturday at Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics. Yeah. Shout out to Gabby. She's amazing. Gabby's, Gabby's amazing, amazing, and Gabby's store is amazing. She's been building this community for the last thirty years, and it's. Truly impressive to to see what she's done, honestly. I forgot to take pictures. Uh, I took like three. Yeah, there's one <laughs> yeah. on our Instagram. I put one on our Instagram. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we are the worst about remembering to take pictures. I'll try it. To be we're fun. very competitive. We get in the spirit of the game and we're lost in it. This is why we need to be Ritter with the guy with like the GoPro and the selfie stick walking around talking to everybody. Yeah, do you want to be Inter- that guy? We don't have either of those things. Interviews and... Oh, I mean, yeah, but we, we'll get there. Okay. Do some interviews, some chit-chatting. The instant you come to a tournament with us, mm-hmm. we'll pull the trigger on that. Got we'll it. buy them. We'll make sure you have them. 100%. Sounds good. Um, but anywho, yeah, so this is, they run weekly CDH for their, like their, for their store. And it is, uh, been quite successful every Thursday, every Thursday, but they've been opening, uh, this concept of like a larger tournament, more store prizes and stuff like that. Um, and they do this, I believe quarterly or every two months. Um, yeah, quarterly quarterly. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, this is, I believe is the third one they ran. Uh, and it was second one. I think it was the second one. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, uh, they are improving and getting better at it from the last time we went. Uh, and the system is pretty streamlined and the judges know how to run everything. It's been, I feel like tournament organization wise, these guys are doing great. They, the new eminence, uh, I forget what they call it, but the eminence gaming is a big tournament organizer and they're using their software and it's, this is the first time I've had my hands on it. Uh, it's great. It's like two time. It has like the time in the round. You get a QR code for your uh, phone and then you can track like your standings, everybody's standings you mm-hmm. can see uh, in live. And then it's uh, when you update, when the turn ends, as soon as the judge updates, you can see, you know, how points change and standings change and stuff like that. So, so far, this is the most structure I've seen in uh, commander tournament literally ever. Um so I love to see that there's more stuff for the, from the community, like kind of supporting it and helping it grow. 
I think that's really cool. Yeah, Gabby's did, made a lot of like huge adjustments to. There are still some adjustments to be made, and we'll talk about some of those. But like, there were plenty of adjustments made f- since the first time we played that made this experience so much better than it was the first time. Like uh, one thing, turns like extra turns after the clock runs dry. They gotta like every tournament just needs to get rid of it and set it at ninety minutes, no extra turns. Like that's one this thing. Is- our preference for sure yes. but this is not everybody's preference i will say there's a lot of argument against it because it they the argument is that it will lead to more um draws essentially slow play uh and like so the incentive there is just play your ryan bullshit or whatever yeah play slower like play staxy decks like draw the game out because a draw if you get four draws I mean, if everyone got four draws, no one would go anywhere. It would all be ranked the same. But like, if you get four draws in a tournament, you're so close in points to being on the cusp of top 16. Mm-hmm. So Yes, but that is becoming less and less the case as they adjust, right? So they used to be do a uh, cut to top 16 format, right? That has changed now to a cut to top 10 format, where it is the top first and second players automatically get to the top table and get a bye. Then the rest of the eight duke it out in semifinals, two tables, for the seats three and four for the finals. Uh, because of that, that is uh, six slots you're cutting out of your semifinal bracket, which means breakers and draws do not do as much as they used to. Uh, right. You need to have a better score, and their whole goal because of that is to make sure that players without a winning record are not getting into semifinals. So the best player wins. Correct. More in that. It's, it's, yeah. it's meant to benefit the player that is genuinely performing better instead okay. of getting a buy, getting a draw, and sneaking into top six. Better gameplay, faster gameplay, like improving the experience. Correct. So that is that is where Evan and I come in on the on the standard. Is just like I don't I don't I didn't have a single game go to ninety minutes. Like because we had we we're playing seventy five minutes with turns. Not one of the two games I played five games. Not two of them went to turns. Not one of them took more than ninety minutes. Like. I don't think it comes up that much, but you know, maybe that's just my own perspective. That being said, um, stacks is ever, ever, ever prevalent in this place. Um, talking with a lot of people in the tournament scene, uh, who go around a lot of the places on the West coast, pretty much the consensus I got was West coast is a very stacks heavy meta. Yeah. And uh, Gabby's being in particular because no proxies allowed. And especially for this tournament meant that stacks was going to be more prevalent and i like we should have really we didn't really think about that before we built our decks before we went into it uh had we thought about it i would have played a completely different deck because like the deck that i want to play is one that is going to benefit from a healthy like turbo balanced you know well balanced by turbo i i mean i think at a baseline you have to be able to win through rule of law effects like right yeah there 100 yeah there was there were many cases where they were, uh, I think, every single game that there was rule of law present or, or, or that type of effect was present at one point during every single game I played. So I would mm-hmm. agree with that. Yeah. And sometimes you have two sex players at the table and stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it was interesting. I don't want to, like, just go off the wall just having a bunch of different uh, ADHD thoughts here. But, yeah, I think uh, stacks is something you have to be prepared for. Uh, okay. And... Actually, actually, can we back up? Yeah, please. Uh, how'd you guys do at the tournament? That's great. Yeah, all right. That's that's a good place Evan, to start, right? And let's recap what decks you brought. 
you know, your Start record. Start from the top and we'll, we'll yeah. dive deep. Go there for totally. it. Totally. So uh, I placed 16th at the tournament with Shalai and Halar, mm-hmm. uh, which if you're not familiar, we talked about it a little bit in previous episodes. New commander. New yeah. to the scene. New commander. Everyone was excited. And I wrote a little blurb about this in our Discord. So if you actually jump on our Discord, you can check it out there. Uh, Discord's popping. Yeah. Discord has been popping. Hey, Come join us. Thank you guys for jumping in and participating. Uh, but yeah, I just sort of like wrote this little synopsis where like about my experience and just saw that um, every time I sat down at the table and I put Shalai and Halar out uh, in my command zone, everyone was excited, like right to see the deck and see it actually be played mm-hmm. and to see how it works. Uh, but that also meant that I wasn't going to surprise anybody because everyone knew exactly what the combos were. So, you know, I was like, I was like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm excited to see this. Yeah, Red Terror, right? And I'm just like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, right there. yeah. Cool. Exactly. You know exactly where to interact with it. So um, my build is a bit more Enchantress heavy. Enchantments are king in my. You like, love that Academy Rector package yeah yeah because yeah, of academy rector thing yeah there was one point in one game where i had the academy rector out as a blocker because i was playing against a uh god what's his name the hydra commander gargos someone had a gargos oh, deck there because it's a cdh tournament yeah because there's no proxies okay and i said at the beginning of this first round i was just like if this gargos player survives to seven turn seven eight and they can get their engine going we're gonna lose this game and that's exactly pretty much exactly what happened gargos didn't end up winning but they did create you know like three ten tens and were mm-hmm. up like threatening the table so i put an arena rector out there because it grabs heliod and that's why i'm that's why it's in the deck is to like grab heliod because that's a win condition with shalai and halar um so overall the experience for me everyone knew what was coming uh it was hard to hide and like show like Basically, my hand was on the table the whole time. People mm-hmm. knew what direction I was going. How did I slow the game down? I figured out a few things that I wanted to do. How do I want to change the deck? Um, but first round, uh, I lost. I just got like punched out the table. I was like, showing showing a win condition, and people just like sw- uh, gang piled me. Uh, second game was a draw, and this is where we'll talk more about um, draws in a minute. And then uh, third game was a loss to me because it was a pod of three Naya decks. Shalai, Minsk, and uh, Rocco, and a Yisan deck. Mm. So no blue at all. And two Turbo Tutor decks. Exactly. And even Minsk, I guess, has like Tutor lines and turbo. some variations. Yeah, it's, yeah. Those are all decks that are very much focused on just winning the game. Yeah. As fast as they can. Yeah, so um, I'll talk about that in a, little, in a sec, too. And then uh, the last game, I actually won, and it was um, a pod of Magda... Uh, Magda, Croxa, uh, uh, and Kuneros. Okay. And uh, Malcolm and Tana. So, yeah, uh, the first game, yeah, I got beat out. Second game, draw. The Tivit player uh, resigned themselves to the draw. They countered everything that would have loosened up the board and allowed people to play the game. They countered it because uh, they just knew that if they drained the clock, they would go to a draw. So uh, they knew that they weren't winning due to a lot of the stacks pieces. Stony Silences weren't coming off the board. It was two stacks decks, a Tivit, and then a Shalai and a Halar who's playing, you know, I'm playing like moderate stacks. And the third game, um, we had a little bit of a goof go on. Uh, And this is something where like tournament play, you don't like to see this happen. But uh, like the game state was broken um, and we didn't catch it. Okay. And so... Uh, there was a sequence where I had a ranger captain out 
and the Minsk player was going off to win. And so on their upkeep, uh, like we knew it was happening. They had a greater Gargadon in exile. So I sacrificed on their upkeep, sacrificed the Ranger captain, and then they cast an arena rector. So they found their way around it. And then they started going off with Vivian uh, to go for the Kiki Jiki lines, which completely dances around the Ranger captain. But we were so enthralled with how the player was winning that um, the Yisan player tapped their creatures and cast a quarter calling for one. And we all were like, what could you possibly be getting with one, you know, a quarter calling for one? And so they grabbed this little artifact creature that says you can sacrifice it to exile a card from a graveyard at instant speed. So they grab that. They exile the uh, Feldar Guardian from the graveyard and it stops the combo. And the guy just goes, yeah, I guess I just uh, can't do anything else. I'll uh, pass. And he runs his hand through his hair and he's just super stressed out that he, you know, went for it but couldn't get it. And the next turn, the Rocco player just food chained off and won, like pretty much instantly because we had waste, you know, used our interaction. You know, I would have loved to use uh, Ranger Captain against them, but I couldn't. Uh, so tell me if you've p- figured out where Game State was broken. No, I was about to ask you, like, I feel like you just presented me a word puzzle and I'm scratching my brain trying to uh, un- undo it. What's- right. Because after I explained it all and all the movements and all the like game actions that took place and that it all moment, seems legit to me. Right. I sacrificed the Ranger Captain. That player shouldn't have been able to, to cast quarter calling for the one. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah, because you explained all that other stuff. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that's kind of. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the mom is the doctor. I figured it out. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 11. Yep. So uh, nobody should have been able to interact. You know, basically just that's that's the, the double edged sword of Ranger Captain, right? Is nobody can respond mm. other than you to them. So, uh, yeah, that player should have won. And after the game, I told them that after the slip is signed, I would tell them how they could have played differently in order to to have won the game. And when we signed it, he goes, all right, tell me, what could I have done differently? And I said, we shouldn't have been able to, he shouldn't have been able to cast quarter calling. Like, that's it. And he hit the table so hard, everyone's head just like snapped around. (laughs) Like, like what the, you know, like what, why is he, you know, why is he mad? And he was kicking himself all day because he also had an incident playing with jordan later where there was like a a missed thing that hey man sucks to yeah. lose to yourself yeah, yeah 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 you know it's one of those things where we all missed it we were all so enthralled so uh and then the fourth game uh was really quick um turn one i played a birds of paradise i went first in turn order um this really showed me how important it is to go first in turn order um and the win win percentage on that case too uh but i played a bird passed magda player played a bunch of artifacts got a bunch of mana and then cast a sphere of resistance and internally i went let's go right (laughs) because i got my playoff i got my turn one play so i have enough mana and i'm sitting with a red terror and an elder spirit guide in my hand so i'm I'm feeling pretty good and uh and a few lands so i go to the next player go to the next player they play a land and pass because they can't do anything and you can't even cast a soul ring under you know with a sphere of resistance out so it comes back to me i top deck an ancient tomb and i go wow this is really going to pay for everything so play the ancient tomb tap my land tap my bird uh tap the ancient tomb and then exile the elder spirit guide cash fly and halar sweet set up and nobody can play anything because mm-hmm. of the sphere of resistance so uh goes to magda still a slow game they don't do much they spilled out their hand they have no card draw goes the other the croxa and kunaros player they have nothing. They're still waiting. And then goes to the Malcolm player. They cast Malcolm, tapped out completely. 
passed to me and i just go okay land red terror and they go uh so that's pretty much it right <laughs> like that's game right does anyone interact and then i got galvanic blasted is that right the instant it's got metalcraft mm-hmm. they zap they zap the shalai halar goes back Crooks and Kunaros has enough mana now. They cast a Draneth Magistrate, mm-hmm. comes back around on that dude's end step, or and then it comes back around to me. And this is where the one of the all-stars in the deck actually shined, one of the cards I put in last second, uh, Cinder Vines. Ooh. So green and a red enchantment that says whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, uh, it deals one damage to that player. Notably, it's a red source. So I played that, sat on open mana so I could sacrifice it in case... Magda went and got a clock of omens. And then they just played a bunch of stuff right into the cinder vines, kept dealing damage to him. The red terror saw that the damage was being dealt. By the time it got back around to me, it was a nine, eight and it was just starting to eat people alive. So, uh, comes back around to me, sit on that, play some mana. I need to wait to get more mana for Shalyan Halar. Comes back around the table one more time. I cash Shalyan Halar and I go to combat and, uh, the cinder vines is protection. Because now I realize if anyone wants to interact, they're going to take one damage from the Cinder Vines and the combo is going to go off regardless. So I just punch, you know, it's like sacrifice the Cinder Vines too, because that also deals damage. And that's how I did it. I sacked the Cinder Vines, destroyed the Sphere of Resistance just to like dunk on everybody. And uh, that's how I won the game. Very sick. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, that was my experience of the tournament. It was pretty great. Uh, overall... Ten out of uh, I didn't win all my games, but uh, you know, felt good about it. Yeah, yeah, eight out of ten. <laughs> cool, Jordan. What about you? And I need you to go into at least that grade of detail. That was extremely crunchy. Um, I will <laughs> not go into that much detail. Uh, okay, but you have a legal pad with a list on it. Uh, so yeah, so um, I played Tavesh Crumb. Okay. Uh, it is pretty much my Grixis bullshit list. Mm. Uh, as mid range, not not turbo. Well, it is still the turbo list, so okay. I, I I will get more into that. I, I am I am pivoting more towards mid range, and we mm. per our la- last week's episode, that is more of my focus. And after this tournament, I feel completely justified in that. Yeah, it's Got very it. reassuring after playing this. One hundred percent. So right. I honestly feel like had I continued to play Roxy into this tournament, I would have been a very sad boy. Um, the like, everything we talked about last week, right? The fa- the prevalence of stacks was just so ever present in real life uh that this tournament um that i honestly felt like i was never at a disadvantage and i definitely would have been had i been on uh, just a, an incredibly aggressive aggro deck um getting to instead pivot and ritual into you know a mid-range piece when it's not time to try and go for the win mm-hmm. uh really kind of let me bide the time because all these decks are doing is buying time right so the mid-range aspects of my deck allowed me to just kind of amass the resources interact here and there but honestly it was very minimal on mm-hmm. the interaction uh, my list and it was more about just keeping pace yeah and you're building a board state building not, a board state, not just waiting to which win. a lot of the times when i'm playing these decks bro like you have no board state until you're trying to win the game mm-hmm. right and it's all instant sorceries and rituals and whatever the fuck but this time it's just like yeah i got a planeswalker i got a displacer kitten you know i i'm doing some crazy weird shit and it just gives me things to do when the board is locked down and that sometimes is enough to just get there and yeah. get there first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I'm really, really happy that I made that decision pretty late in the in the prep sesh for the tournament to change. Um, and I'm going to keep going in that direction. So uh, something we talked about last week was 
the concept of ditching adnas and what can you do with that and what a deck start mm-hmm. looking like after that right and i really want and we're going to another tournament this coming saturday and that is fully proxy friendly unlike gabby's so i'm going to fully take advantage of this I want to see what this deck looks like without Ad Nauseam. Yeah, Ad Nause locks you into certain strategies, locks you out of certain cards. I think it's kind of an, it's a card that's it's on that doomsday uh, like sort of like trajectory where it's not as good as it used to be. I, I I I hear you and I agree with that. And I think it's it is an amazingly powerful card and it is a one card win condition, mm-hmm. no questions asked. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, you get there most of the time. I feel yeah. like. And it even happened in the tournament. There's plenty of times where I resolve an ad nauseum in an undesired situation, right? Some part of your plan has gone awry because you play three players. Crazy. Uh, and because of that, you are now not in your opportune time to cast an ad nauseum, i.e. 21 life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is usually just not going to get you there, uh, as I found in the tournament. So... And the other part of what we were talking about is the card quality, right? You need to play these cheap rituals, these low-cost things. What does it look like when you can start shifting up the CMC just a little bit to see like what that value gains you? Um, and I'm really excited to see what that does for this deck. Um, I am going to really be prioritizing Kitten Lines. Displacer Kitten, mm-hmm. I think, is just an incredibly powerful card. Yeah, I've seen you go off of that card in less competitive lists, like with the Agent of Treachery. Um, right, and some other lines, it's definitely a card with huge potential. I, I Exactly that. I think it has so much potential, and I think my small little walnut brain is not even close to uh, mm-hmm. accomplishing its full potential. It's still it's still opening up, and we're still seeing it blossom 100%. In, in the meta. And more cards will also, like as yeah. cards get printed, that, that this card will only get better and better that, and better. That whole, uh, that white spell I was talking about that's coming out with Lord of the Rings, return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. Uh, reprieve. That, yeah, yeah, reprieve is going to change... Oh, white that's an excellent less. card. Yeah, that's, yeah, and white all format all star. Right, and we're already liking to see white with displacer kitten because of like the mm-hmm. Teferi uh, three mana Teferi lines. Yes, yeah. uh, and Azorius is is you know great for blink lines. Hundred percent in general. Yeah, so um, I'm really excited about that. And uh, so shout out to uh, this guy we met while we were there, Atlas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a tournament grinder. He's Gabby's is his shop. He has a CDH podcast. Shout out Man on the Rocks. Yo, what's Mana up? on the Rocks. Yeah. Like and subscribe Man on the Rocks. Yeah, I've been yes. listening to a few episodes yeah. of their pod. It's great. And these guys are super smart CDH tournament grinders, right? They mm-hmm. analyze, they play the meta decks against each other so they're ready for tournaments and stuff like that. And what I really thought was interesting was they're not playing just the boring meta bullshit. Um uh, Atlas is playing. Yes, he's playing five color Kenrith, uh, mm-hmm. but his whole thing is like a draw go control style Kenrith that utilizes uh, Gilded Drake to just unbelievable effect mm-hmm. because of the uh, you know the reanimation effects on Kenrith and just the toolboxy nature of it. He was able to dance around with with Gilded Drake for hours. It was amazing to watch. And he ended up taking the whole tournament by the Oh, rad. Yeah. Congratulations to uh to Atlas. Yeah, shout out Atlas. Yeah. Uh super cool deck. I love uh, getting to play against you two times. What's the name of the podcast again? Uh Mana on the Rocks. Mana on the Rocks. Give it a listen. Yeah, shout him out. Um so sorry, I guess I I did not when I started this tell my record. I went to the semifinals. Okay. So I got Congrats. Thank you. I got top 7. This is was pretty exciting. Nice. Which means I got to play one bonus game. Hey. Uh yeah, and I got to play against uh, Atlas in the semifinals where I absolutely took a stupid greedy hand and got punished for it. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to go for it, right? <laughs> also, the politics of that table was not in in your favor. This at all. is the next point of conversation yes. that I wanted to talk okay. about. As stacks is a hugely prevalent part of our meta and probably will be forever, <laughs> at it, least for the foreseeable future. Yeah. 
Um, we need to be aware of how to play against it mm-hmm. and how to play it as the stacks player. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really the kicker for me. And I'm, I'm not even calling out this one specific incident. I just across the board, even what Evan just said, right? Where on the game he won, he went first, shit out his hand. The stacks player on two drops the stacks piece too late, locking the other two players out of the board out of control, right? They can't interact with me, though. That is exactly to a T what happened to me in the semifinals. And yes, I 100% recognize that I took a greedy hand. And I did because I had fast mana and I had amazing payoffs plus yep. tax pieces that were relevant to the If board. you're presenting the win on that hand, like you got to keep it. I had like, the win and I had an oppo agent going against green-white Sissé. They mm-hmm. just did not consider any of the information that was at the table because I sat and I watched most of this game, which was almost like three hours, which was like Felt crazy. Like my brain was just melted, bro. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, in... Uh, the thing is, is that you have to look at the commanders. You have to know exactly how they're like, at least you have to be able to presume and uh, anticipate what they're going to do with their deck and their strategy. So when I see uh, Tavesh Krom, uh, my brain just thinks that it is a mid-game engine. There's a mid-game, car- mid-game card draw engine, right? So you're getting to five, you're playing to stay at five, you're playing to interact, Right, which means you run a lot of interaction in your deck. And that is just my assumption, not knowing exactly every card that's in Jordan's deck. So this Sisse player, uh, yeah, the play of Karn, just like super early, really, really made me cringe. So essentially what happened was uh, Atlas was going first. And the great thing about this thing, the tournament organization, is you're standing when you go into semifinals. You get seated based off of how well you're doing. So he's in first place. He gets to go first. Um which meant I was going last. Sick. Uh, so he is, he just pretty much ramps out. He ramps out with uh, mana dorks instead of artifacts. And then Sisse, jeweled lotuses into Sisse on one, tutors for Karn on two, and drops it on me. I skip my lamb drop because I have mana crypt, arcane signet, brainstorm, oppo agent with, I think I had ad nauseum or something else in hand i forget exactly so pretty much i just need to find the land that i was going to get there uh, and i had one mid-range piece too but uh essentially he made his whole decision i was the only person with artifacts on the battlefield when he made this decision to first activation sisse get karn and play four mana karn to completely lock me out of the game and then proceeded to spend the next hour and a half complaining that atlas was running away with the game unchecked and was like, guys, we need to stop him now. Why is nobody doing anything? And they're not supposed to swear at Gabby's. I almost looked at him. I almost told him to shut the fuck up because he is he has completely locked me out of the game. And I would love to have helped. I had tons of answers. And he didn't hand. he didn't neg Karn once. And Atlas didn't attack Karn. I wonder why. Literally, Atlas was like, I won't kill Karn because it benefits me not to. He said that at the table. <laughs> Um, the Tassiger player did nothing to the Karn either like with many opportunities to attack Karn and like to fix the problem at the table no they just they kept nuking your stuff yeah so the point Evan's talking about I will I will go into detail just a little bit because it goes to my next point and so I was pretty much absolutely fucked on this game right Uh, five turns go by six turns go by whatever I go dark ritual my last chance I tie my only land Dark because I have drawn a land by this point. Only land, dark ritual, necropons. I need to find a second land, is what I say to the table. <laughs> uh, How much life did you pay to find that second land? Oh, well, let's wait to see if it resolves. Player three, the other guy locked out by Karn, decides to blow his only piece of free interaction by countering my necropons. With a force of will. 
Jordan, what did you do to the people at this table to make them hate you? I've never met any of them, that's, and I was incredibly friendly. That's, I mean, that's that's the big point is that <laughs> he's never met any of them, so they don't know his tendencies, they don't know his behaviors. Yeah. And when you went, so after, let's just, like fast forwarding a little bit to the finals. I got. Well, hold on, can I finish my my yeah. train of thought here? Can ahead, uh, right. finish. Uh, so. The the thing even what you're saying is but these these guys know each other and why would you just it seems like everybody is just trying to let Atlas win like because it's obvious to me that Atlas is running away with the game he ran away with the game he won mm-hmm. uh, it just seems absolutely insane that you would not consider all options especially when I was telling him that like I need this land drop okay um oh I fully lost my train of thought go ahead oh yeah, yeah. well I, all I was gonna say is that fast forwarding to the finals all the players at the final table knew each other they were all part of this community they played with each other for a long time so like the interaction between them was very friendly they knew each other's tendencies and stuff like that and because we were strangers in a strange land we were targeted and like there were a lot of okay i'm not gonna go on record saying that we were targeted (laughs) against all the people that are gonna listen to this right right right. we were mis like misinformed persecuted (laughs) yeah there were decisions that were made that were questionable based on the mystery of our decks or Ooh, like, the mystery, okay. like based on the unknown right oh, so I like th- we can come in and we can politic all we want but they don't know who we are like and that's it's really hard to get someone on your side when you know you're trying to give them like the proper direction there's no like there's no deception mm-hmm. in- i mean i i feel like if you're playing in a pod of four people and three of them know each other and you don't know the fourth person it's a cdh tournament the assumption is the fourth person is a good player of some kind in that situation i think uh like game theory my brain goes to let's eliminate that unknown fourth person i understand lines of play against the three players that you know the other two players at the table that i know you know eliminate the unknown quantity that way i can focus i I know how to win against the known quantities yeah and when i was explaining this morning to the to our to my barista dj what up if you listen what up (laughs) It was just like it trying to explain the concept of competitive uh, EDH to him is that it's a dance with four players. And if all four players are not involved in this dance mm-hmm. through interaction, through just like playing and resolving their strategies, like there is an imbalance at the yeah, table. I, I and mean, that's the, wor- what the, wor- the worst is. game is like when there's a free rider at the yep. table like someone who's not contributing to the game state whether that's not checking the player running away with it or not you know whittling down life totals you have to be you know in the four player dance you have to be contributing something to an eventual win yeah you know? and yeah and ultimately the point either like is in this game with the semifinals that i you know i was just sort of like watching over jordan's shoulder they didn't let him dance they they ultimately made the decision at least that one player made the decision to not let you contribute. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Jordan, they put you in the corner. I'm so sorry. Uh, It's fine. I was just going to say, I think this kind of goes to the larger concept of like politicking. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something I was definitely trying to do. I'm trying to be better about. And so I was doing more to some great effect, actually, that got me to the semifinals. No, no cap. Like, like, there's some times that for how mm, uh, immovable those guys were, That was not my situation in a lot of ta- okay. table spaces. I was able to pretty easily manipulate uh, my way to... Not like I 
manipulated people negatively, right? But these are, there is tons you're, of you're, politicking in these games. And you're playing Grixis Colors. That is the vibe of Grixis is manipulation. Right. And yeah. so, you know, if I can have somebody burn their interaction really quickly and it's the other blue player at the table and first on before me and if i can just convince them that it's a really good idea to counter that spell that's essentially me countering a spell for free yeah so i i have been trying to use that but i think politics goes further than that and that's what i'm starting to learn right and i think part of that is perception it's the silent politics it's like what are people thinking about you and your deck because of what you're doing and not because of what you're saying and i think there that goes infinitely far and we could talk about this forever but i think it goes to this necropotence thing right counting this necropotence he looks he looked around the tables like that's bad we have to counter it and atlas said yep that's not good of course atlas says that's not <laughs> <Yeah>. good <laughs> At next turn atlas reanimated a coma that stayed on the board for eight turns I mean, <laughs> that's how he won the game <laughs> i mean like for atlas it's a win-win it's a win-win and he didn't you know he was so good at politics in that situation that he didn't even have to like you know, inception that idea into the table that right. like, your necropotence needs to go away. You just had to go along with it. He let someone else He's like, bro, that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. You're a it, smart guy. Atlas, Atlas <laughs> had like a guy's cradle on the board. Oh and my like, God, bro. Everything. It was absolutely <laughs> insane. But anyway, it goes into like card choice. When do you play those cards? When do you put those cards in your deck first when you take them out? That's why I want ad nauseum out of my deck is because I want as few of those cards as possible that get me targeted. Essentially. I get yeah. swung at all the time because of ad nauseum or if I take it out, I actually get to play a lot of cards that leverage my life total that I don't need to have nearly as much life total to pull off a great effect, i.e. Fire Covenant, Dismember, Mm. Bolus of Citadel. Like All of those cards are going to do what they're going to do, even if I'm at 21 life, versus Ad Nauseam is not going to be effective. Having to win through Ad Nauseam is like a very narrow funnel. Like It forces you into lines of play. Stax decks build their decks around Ad Ad Nauseam to stop Ad Nauseam, right? Mm. So if I stop playing Ad Nauseam and I just play other great cards, I feel like I'm going to probably end up eventually in a better spot. Yeah, note every Stony Silence like deck, every collector oof is there it's not they're not there to like stop turbo artifacts they're there to stop the like yeah from the adnos player from going off and just playing everything out yeah so uh i mean obviously i would keep necropotence and necropotence won me my game too Mm -hmm. necropotence Uh, still very good unlike uh sylvan library which is trash true yeah Uh, people hate if you listen to the podcast yeah yeah. you know from last week shout out chris ritter listen to his own podcast let's go hell yeah (laughs) episode i was not in listen to it yeah uh sylvan library lost me the first game like i got it out on turn one i I will say hardline rule miri's guile if you're going to play sylvan library just play miri's guile it is a better card cheaper mana you can just drop it turn one yeah less risk yeah and the thing is is that um it took me six turns to find a second land like Yikes. six turns of Sylvan Library triggers. Yikes. And I shuffled a couple times. Did you read Frank Karsten on mana bases? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Tournament no. Or? no, I had uh, 28 lands in the deck and plenty of rocks. So oh, man. it was just really, really weird situation. So yeah, it didn't end up working out for me. I took a lot of life. I had to eat a lot of life from Sylvan Library. Take four here, take four here, take four here, whatever. But um, yeah, unfortunately, not a great card. Not as great as it used to be. Nope. Synopsis. Synopsis. Uh, yeah, no, it's actually kind of a trash card, Loki. Uh, but yeah, so that's, I guess, what I'm trying to go take for take away from this is just like, one, mid-range is king. Stacks mm-hmm. is prevalent, mid-range is king. Two Kenrith decks, including Alice, were at the top table. One of them won the game. Um, 
that being said, I'm also going to start playing freaking Curse Totem, Curse Totem in yes. every deck I run. Curse yeah. Totem's a great card. It yep. is a great card. Yeah, unless you're on Dorks, Curse, Tot- Curse Totem is Yeah, and if, awesome. and if you're expecting to see Kenrith, and you're going to see Kenrith at CDH tournaments because he's the best five-color commander for whatever the five-color strategy you want is. Brasios and Najil are also lingering, yeah. which is, you know, great. Yep. Yeah, that Curse Totem's going to put in work. Exactly. Sisse, nope. And then also turns off Malcolm. Uh, Glenhorn. Pretty hard, yeah. Yeah, for Glenhorn sure. turns off. And that's multiple different decks right there. Yeah, and Curse Totem's just harder to hit than, you know, let's say Limvala. You can bounce Limvala. Like, most, I guess, you could bounce Curse Totem too, but it's just like, it's just a little bit harder to hit and a little bit harder to work around. I, you know, Or way ta- cheaper. The takeaway that I'm getting from you guys is that, like, you didn't say anything fundamentally fundamentally wrong that you're going to change about your decks. It's more you're in a like sideboard situation where you're correct. Like, no, this is actually what I need to tweak uh, to be responsive to the meta to beat the meta. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. I think meta analysis and commander is the, like the one v one sideboard list because you obviously don't get to sideboard in yeah. all of these games. More often than not, you don't play the same person unless you're going to those finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing what's going on, knowing the prevalence of what to play against and what to expect is huge. And yeah. I think that is, that pre-planning kind of phase is going to win you games. Yeah. How do you how do you adapt? How do you like this is that tournament grinder mindset and that that's like what changes do you make like based on everything you've seen? It's like the Rolodex of your brain like that's going on and like every interaction you've seen is as an experienced player, the thousands of interactions you're considering all those as you move forward and develop this deck. Right. So as the meta, like you said, changes and develops, you're going to we're going to a different tournament where I know people who weren't at Gabby's that are going to be there and how like that's the thing how do they like uh alter the meta based on the decks that they're mm-hmm. bringing based on this no proxy 100% yeah proxy yeah. friendly that is so, gonna be like, very interesting to see how that is affected so i got a question for you guys uh you're going to tournaments on consecutive weekends this upcoming tournament is it uh competitive it is yeah okay uh plus or minus how many cards you changing on the decks you're bringing from last week for me about four or five okay yeah. what are what any notables or um sylvan library <laughs> yeah no, no um <laughs> the cards i want to put in i want to put in invasion of goba Khan. okay uh one in a white when it enters the battlefield uh you the thing is you don't have to target the player you give the battle to or, or you choose for the battle mm-hmm. it says uh look at target opponent's hand and then uh choose a non-land card from it and exile it it costs two more to cast as long as it remains exiled right okay. so um and then it flips over it has three defense counters and which is perfect for shalai and halar so once it flips over it says put a plus one plus one counter on each creature at the beginning of your end step Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn, and that says sacrifice it. Uh, creatures you control gain hexproof and indestructible until Ooh, end of turn. Ooh, tasty! So yeah, it's called light shield array on the back. Oh it's yeah, a, it's an enchantment. So you actually get an enchantment cast trigger after mm-hmm. you pop it with uh, you know with whatever creatures okay. you're using. So I'm going more beats. Like I want to I want to beat face harder. Mm-hmm. Um, Leading into the fact that there's more turns. Yes, there are more turns. There's more time to develop, and if I Basically, I learned by trying to funnel myself into the Red Terror and Heliod lines, people were m- like more capable of sticking their finger in and slowing me down. Same deal as Adnos. It's a it's the spot. It's, the second you just demonstrate yep. the A plus B. Yes. Yep. 
is when it becomes a problem. So, but if you can put Toski out and you can start punching and you can start drawing cards, that just gives you so many more options to disguise your movements and disguise what you're doing so that you can actually create the gap that you need to win the game, have the interaction for the player that's going to do it or set up the stacks pieces, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And then there's also another card I'm adding, which is Calyx guided by fate. Ooh, It's from the new aftermath set. Yeah. So it just come out the Friday prior and it's one a green and a white uh legendary enchantment creature it's a two two it says uh whenever calyx or another creature enters the battle or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control put a plus and plus one counter on the on target creature love it is an enchantment puts counters on things yeah whoa that's good and then uh, it also has a uh basically a combat ability whenever calyx or an enchanted creature you control deals combat damage to a player create a copy of target non-legendary enchantment you control only do this once per turn. Okay. So I'm going to play Aura of Silence and play uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker because if I'm able to copy a Fable the Mirror Breaker, the flip side, mm-hmm. I get to go infinite, create infinite. Uh, literally once. Yeah. And I then you see win. It. Yeah. So, Let's see it. Yeah. I think it's a very cool deck and uh, or that, that piece is just going to be awesome. It's just you're, you're going to be able to like let an Aura of Silence just get absolutely out of control when you have three of them. Yeah. So like the thing is you play it, it becomes a 3-3. Three, three. You put a counter on it. It may might trigger Shalai and Halar. Great. Right. Deal one damage. But then you play another enchantment. All of a sudden it's a 4-4. Four, four. People are less likely to block it. They're going to pop it or, or they're going to take that damage and that just keeps getting bigger as mm-hmm. you cr- keep creating copies of enchantments that are going to keep triggering that ability to put plus one plus one counters on things. Hell yeah. Jordan, same question. Plus or minus cards are going to swap out of the deck. Any notables? Yeah, I think I'm like I said, I'm taking ad nauseum out of this deck, which yeah. means Hell yeah. I'm going to have a I probably I'm guessing the 15 15 card swap. Oh, it's going to be big. That's significant. It's going to be yeah. very, very, very. You're big. keeping Hallbreaker Horror, though, right? Oh, yeah. Hallbreaker Horror is amazing. <laughs> uh, by the way, I added that the day before we went to tournament to my list and it won me a game, which was fucking oh, awesome. Rat. Well, I just took it out of my uh, mono blue reality chip list. Ooh, nice. Maybe you'll put convince me in. to put it back in. Put it back in. <laughs> it's really, really, really good. Um, but yeah, so it's all building towards this this concept of a, what does Grixis look like without ad nauseum, right? And so Pure into the Abyss is going back in because life total does not matter. with Pure Yep, it's just half your life, right? Yeah, exactly. And this deck, like I was saying, is like it's a few more turns on the clock so it's like let's establish a five mana value engine that is pretty much the name of the game for this deck um because i have two five mana value engines in the command zone uh but from there it, we, you can use all of these rituals outside of that so say Dranith is on the battlefield that's why i want these big payoff spells like a necropotence like a hoarding broodlord like a uh, pyramid of the abyss like a displacer kitten it just i want them to not those rituals to not be dead and if you have the right amount not too many but enough payoff for these kind of quick mana spells you're always going to be able to establish something that keeps you in the game refills your hand stops opponents you know gives you more mana advantage whatever it is you'll be able to leverage that to pretty much a win okay um i love it love to hear that yeah so yeah. that's that's pretty much my goal is just like what does that look like right so i'm putting in the hoarding brood lord line that is super clean and efficient i'm focusing more on do you have a galaxy foil saw in half i already bought it a long time oh, ago love it long <laughs> time ago. yeah yeah that I'm, makes it makes the combo better of course uh yeah. i just bought five borderless foil japanese hoarding brood lords i have a borderless foil kitten and i have a kitten altered so hold okay, on okay so you're covered yeah I'm covered i'm good to go i'm gucci yeah uh other than that yeah i, I want to See how far I can just take Displacer Kitten. Honestly, in the back of my head, I want this to be like a low-key Displacer Kitten hidden commander deck. Ooh, okay, um, that's fun. That's that, how that's how good it is. That's how good it is. I mean, a lot of times because 
again, for the fact that I have these five mana value engines in my command zone, especially Tavesh. I honestly, I'm still new to Chrom, so I don't do a lot of Chrom stuff, but Tavesh is fucking awesome. Uh, so in my head, it's Tavesh, it's Grixis Tavesh. Maybe as I get more experience with the deck, that'll start changing. Um, but in my, if, my, if I have my hand and I have a Displacer Kitten and a Dockside Extortionist, to me that just reads Dockside, Displacer Kitten, Tavesh, Flicker, Tavesh, mm-hmm. Dockside, Tavesh, <clears throat> Dockside. Yep. And you're like, two cards i can just easily just go off and i will get there somehow yeah i wonder if the more we like stray from ad nauseum in like those turbo rocks like they're still all really good and they will probably still be played does dockside become a little bit of a slower card no well no dockside is so abusable that like it will still be yeah yeah i just don't think i don't think everybody's going to agree with us i don't think people are going to start taking ad nauseum out of their decks for a very long time uh, mm-hmm. Until this really this concept really permeates. I, I mean, well, it's an ebb and flow. So, like, right, who was that? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> something was in my throat. Uh, no, it's like an ebb and flow. Like, I feel like uh, Adnals is not good right now, but then the meta is going to shift, and then we're going to get back into that like where turbo is like for real the strategy that you got to right. pursue because like it's going to be good again. It's the rock paper scissors of it, right? Yeah. So like stacks is here, so uh, mid range is king, but mid range becomes king, so stacks becomes less necessary. We saw yeah, less good, Eugene. and without that stacks, you can just turbo nauseum starts up. racing mid range again. And then yep. it just starts the cycle all over again. So yeah, this is you'll always have to adjust if yeah. you want to. Don't adjust. sell your ad nauseum. Hold on to. Don't it. sell right. your take I mean, it out of your seventy dollar right foils. Yeah, yeah. Sitting on a seventy dollar foil and a freaking altar by Dadzy. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah. It's like I'm a Grixis player and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll let you guys know after the tournament. But uh, okay, cool. I will. I want to shout out Atlas for one last thing, and it's teaching me a new Displacer Kitten line that is pretty much a contained win. And uh, I'll go through it real quick. It's just uh, revolving blue and black, which is awesome. And this is why I'm putting Spellseeker in the list. Okay. Um, because with Displacer Kitten now and Spellseeker, Spellseeker, you can grab Dark Ritual, fire off the Dark Ritual for one black. So essentially, you just need the mana for Spellseeker plus a black, four mana. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dark Ritual lets you flicker Spellseeker, which then lets you get Entomb. And then using the black, you cast the Entomb, which lets you get uh, a Tainted Pact or a Sacrifice. But a I probably should really let sign better. But it, oh, the uh, Atlas didn't teach you very well. He didn't. Atlas is no. your fault. <laughs> essentially, Tainted Pact, Reanimate, Entomb, and you get Thoracal. Okay. Right? So essentially, you flicker, and it's called the Cantuna line. And what's awesome about it is that, and what actually, Shadow, Atlas talking about this on his podcast, is that how great Displacer Kitten is, Kitten is at recycling ETB effects, right? So a lot of times, when you think you're, you're thinking of it as an A plus B combo, you're going to want to hold them and just make sure you're, the timing is right. But the great thing about Displacer Kitten is you can just fire off your Spellseeker. Let it sit on the battlefield, get any amount of value. It doesn't have to be the combo piece yep. win. It could just be go get a counterspell. But then it's just the second Displacer Kitten comes down, your Dockside becomes relevant. Your your any ETB thing gets recycled and now all of a sudden becomes an engine in its own right. If you're playing green, Eternal Witness. Like, out of nowhere, a single ETB creature becomes an engine with Displacer yeah, Kitten. Yeah, Eternal Witness and Lotus Petal go infinite with Displacer Kitten, which was like eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Three Fairy again. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Teamer mid-range list now. And uh, now <sighs> I'm thinking, I'm not going to make this a solid statement, but it is getting there where I almost fully believe it, is that if you're playing Blue, you're playing Kitten. Uh, yeah, no, I think that, f- yes. I think no, people I are, agree. People well, are going to be harder and harder making making their decks focused around kitten. I think for sure. Yes, you, you're not going to see it in like 
the rock side decks, right? right. But those are mostly Rakdos decks anyway. Mm-hmm. If you're any kind of slightly chunkier than that, I think you definitely start considering. Yep. Yeah. On that note, are we Gucci? I think we're Gucci. This was, I hope this was enlightening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed this little tournament recap. Shout out again to Gabby at Gabby Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics. We had a great time. Actually, can I say, I want to say one more thing about the tournament. Sure. And it was that the community is just so fucking great. Like, honestly, the community there is so awesome and everybody's super nice that that would made it like a largely fun part of the event was going there and spending the day there and just like like we were hanging outside uh when uh we were waiting for the last game to wrap up before we're cut and john our buddy who was there all the time we got a call for me i'm never there it's all like an hour away yeah for me saying like i'm supposed to be at the top table like these guys were calling around everybody trying oh, to find me and that's stuff great. like that um and gabby was super great about like supporting like our content and like hanging out stickers and stuff so just all around just like a super nice community a guy lost his deck box because like someone took it home by accident mm. so we were calling around and like everybody stopped and got up and searched the entire store so it was just like very good vibes um and i definitely want to go back i'm excited okay. about going all these tournaments in the future love to hear it yeah we will definitely be back at gabby's and um if you guys want to support the show you can do so by following us on youtube or any podcast platform of your choice most major podcast platforms i should say and uh every subscription goes a long way for us in supporting the show we appreciate you guys we appreciate you listening and we will catch you on the flip side thank you catch so you on the flip flop flip flip flop flop Bye bye. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say something, but you said too many things, so I just won't say anything. All right. Well, you're lost. Except for what I just said. And that. All right. And that. did you want to say something? No, I won't say. Anything. It seems like you except for that you want to say something. No, I, I won't say anything. So. Okay, but that because it seems. And that. Okay. All right. And also that. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>